I want you to take uh, your Bible and open to the ninth chapter of the book of Judges. We're going to look at two passages uh, this morning. Stay with me because I'm going to read a little bit today. Amen. Amen. Today we need more of God's word in our life. Here's Judges chapter 9, verse 1. One day Gideon's son Abimelech went to Shechem to visit his uncles, his mother's brothers, and he said to them, and to the rest of his mother's family, ask the leading citizens of Shechem whether they want to be ruled by all 70 of Gideon's sons or by one man. And remember that I am your own flesh and blood. So Abimelech's uncles gave this message to all the citizens of Shechem on his behalf. And after listening to this proposal, the people of Shechem decided in favor of Abimelech because he was their relative. Now, let me back up for just a moment. Gideon is one of the great heroes of the Old Testament. Gideon defeats 135,000 Midianites with an army of 300, and he has no casualties. And Gideon is like the toast of the town. He's the man of the hour. After that great victory, Israel has 40 years of peace. But during that time, Gideon's heart is turned away from the Lord even though he's had this mountaintop experience and he gets all these wives and he has 70 kids and he has a concubine, which we might call that a girlfriend. And he's got 70 sons and he's got a son by this concubine and his name's Abimelech. And so now Gideon has died and the question is who's gonna take over? There's 70 sons. And there's Abimelech. Look with me in verse 4. They gave him 70 silver coins from the temple of baal Bareth, which is used to hire some, uh, which was used to hire some reckless troublemakers to agree to follow him. And he went to his father's home in Ophrah. And there on the stone, they killed all 70 of his half-brothers. Whoa. The sons of Gideon, but the youngest brother Jotham escaped and hid. And then all the leading citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo called a meeting under an oak beside the pillars of Shechem, and they made Abimelech the king. So this looks awesome. This looks magnificent for Abimelech. Abimelech's like, I killed all my half brothers. Now I'm the king. And. Life is good. But how many of you know sometimes you reap what you, what you sow? Amen? You reap what you sow. So skip down with me, if you would, to verse 22. Then Jotham escaped and he lived in beer because he was afraid of his brother Abimelech. And after Abimelech had ruled over Israel for three years, God sent a spirit that stirred up trouble between Abimelech and the leading citizens of Shechem, and they revolted. God was punishing Abimelech for murdering Gideon's 70 sons and the citizens of Shechem for supporting him in this treachery of murdering his brothers. And the citizens of Shechem set an ambush for Abimelech on the hilltop and robbed everyone who passed that way. But someone warned Abimelech about their plot. Uh-oh, 36 months later... What happens? Abimelech, Abimelech 
starts to reap what he has sown. So he, he, he took this money from the men of Shechem and he hires these, these scoundrels, these, these villains, to go help him kill all of his brothers. Now, by the way, what kind of person would want to be a part of a mass execution like that? Not, not very nice guys. And Abimelech thinks, you know what, they're going to be loyal to me because we're from the same hometown. But, you know, when we, when we make partnerships with people who are like that, those people will turn on us as quick as they will turn on somebody else. And so now, three, three years later, 36 months later, the people are like, you know what, we're tired of Abimelech. Let's go get him. So Abimelech is alerted to, this, to the fact that they're trying to take the throne from him. And he escapes one little attempt right here, one attack. But if you keep reading, Abimelech runs a whole group of people into the community tower and the people are high, you know, they're fleeing there for safety and he's taking a torch and he's going to light the thing on fire. But little does he know, there is a woman who is a three-point shooter in the tower and she takes a millstone and she goes Steph Curry and throws it and hits him in the head. She played in the WNBA. And as you read the story, Abimelech realizes he's about to die and he doesn't want the last thing to be said about him that he was killed by a woman so he has one of his own men run a sword through his stomach. It all looked good for Abimelech until he began to reap what he had, what he had sown. You know, the Apostle Paul elaborates on this concept in Galatians chapter 6. And I want you to see how Judges chapter 9 and Galatians chapter 6 work together. These passages um, are, are closely related. Um, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good at the proper time. We will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Therefore, we have this opportunity. Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And so this concept of sowing and reaping is mentioned here in Galatians chapter 6. Paul says, if you want to reap a harvest, you have to sow seeds. Now, the Bible was written in an in a agrarian culture. Many people farmed and had crops and plants. And so people were, were you know, very acquainted with the concept of seeds and harvest and things like that, more so than us. But this is a beautiful concept because even if you're not a farmer, you understand the, the concept of sowing and reaping. Amen. And, and the same is true in the spiritual realm. We have to sow if we want to reap. Now the problem is a lot of people want to reap, but they don't want to sow. And if you look earlier in Galatians chapter 5, he talks about there's two kinds of seeds. There's spirit seeds and there's flesh seeds. We can sow to the spirit and we can sow or we can sow to the flesh but whatever we sow, we will reap that harvest. And for Abimelech, 
He sows to the flesh, ego, pride, arrogance, entitlement, whatever it may be. He sows those seeds and then guess what? The harvest comes and it comes back to get him. Comes back to take him out. I want you to take your worship folder out and and take some notes today with what I'm talking about because I believe this could be so important for you uh, headed into the new year. I I love to preach a a sermon about, about New Year's, like a New Year's message Every single year. And I want this to be the year of sowing and reaping for your life. I believe that if you could could sow better seed, you would reap a better harvest. Amen? And that's what what God wants for for, for your life. So, So I want you to write these things down. Now, this is not the law of karma. Sometimes people get this mixed up. In the law of karma, in Eastern mysticism and Buddhism... You, you start at a level, and if you do good, you rise. You know, maybe you were an ant, and then you become like a bumblebee. And if you were a bumblebee and you did really good, and you were a bumblebee, you might become a lizard. And then you work your way up by being good. The Bible says you're, it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. We have one life. Salvation comes by grace through faith alone. So when we're talking about sowing and reaping, we're not talking about if I do a thousand good works, I get to go to heaven. We go to heaven by our faith through the grace of God. But this is a very important spiritual principle because if we want to reap harvest, we have to sow to the Spirit. We have to sow to it. If you want to have a healthy and a happy marriage, you have to sow seed. If you want to have an intimate relationship with God, you have to sow. If you want to have great friendships, you have to put seeds in the ground. And many people want to reap a harvest but are unwilling to sow the seeds. Now, we sow seeds everywhere that we go. I mean, listen, you're, you're sowing seed at the office. Did you know that? You're sowing seed in your personal life when you're at home. You, you, you are sowing seed at church. Amen. I mean, everywhere you go, you, you are sowing seed. We, we have a, um, an American, a famous American by the name of Johnny Appleseed. You guys ever heard of Johnny Appleseed? Did you guys ever go to school? Anybody? Johnny Appleseed, this, this guy in the 1800s, he was famous because he traveled uh, in, a, in a massive part of the Midwest and, and a little bit of the Northeast. And everywhere he went... He took apple seeds and he planted orchards and nurseries. And he planted seed, seeds everywhere he went. I mean, he planted orchards in Ohio and Illinois and Indiana and even on in, up into Canada and some places. And this guy was synonymous with, with, always planting, with always planting seed. That's why he's called Johnny Appleseed. What a name. Listen, whether we realize it or not, We are planting seeds everywhere that we go. The question is, but what are we sowing? What are we sowing? Um, When I I was a kid, I would grow up going to to visit my granddad's Texas farm way out in the middle of nowhere, West Texas. I'm not kidding. I think my grandparents had to drive an hour and a half just to buy groceries. Middle of nowhere. And so I would spend two weeks every year out on the farm, and there's not a lot to do. And this is before the internet, okay? 
There's really nothing to do. Granddad had to be real creative to entertain my little brother and I. I have a little brother that's three years younger than me. And so one year he, he decided we were going to have a competition. He gave both of us some cotton seeds because he was a cotton farmer. A potted plant or like a, a pot with soil, some fertilizer and uh, a little watering can. And he said at the end of two weeks, whoever's cotton plant is the tallest wins $20. I mean, my brother and I got real excited about that. We were like, wow. And so we're like, you know, there's nothing to do on the farm. So three times a day we're watering the plants and we're putting the seeds in. And we're, you know, we're like watching like all of a sudden the seeds are going to just sprout out. And, you know, it's going to be magnificent. Well, one of the things you have to know if you're a big brother is that you are always to be superior to your little brother. Is that true? And, and my little brother's plant was outgrowing my plant, and I was, a, I was a little bit upset about this. I was like, I'm the big brother, I'm sophisticated, I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I win all competitions. How is my little brother beating me? And so it was getting towards the end of the week, and I convinced, I told my brother, I said, you know, that, that plant in your pot is a weed, that is not a cotton seed. And he had several sprouts. You know, there was one big one. I mean, it was like growing like gangbusters. And I was like, how is he doing this? And, and he, you know, he said, no, it's not. You're just telling me that because you want to win and on and on. Well, we went to bed that night. And I woke up the next morning and my granddad was screaming at me to come outside. And he said, did you tell your brother that was a weed? And I looked over and my little brother had picked that that emerging cotton plant, and he had laid it on the sidewalk in the hot Texas sun and just baked it. And my granddad was so mad. He took off his big leather belt. This is before, like, I guess they don't have child protective services out there on the farm, and my granddad wasn't really worried about my self-esteem too much, and he beat my bottom. I'm telling you, I never lied to my brother again. And that... That morning, I learned something. You reap what you sow. <laughs> you reap what you sow. If you sow lies and deception and, and, and other related things, you, 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 you sow to the flesh, you, you get flesh results. Uh, Galatians 6 says, don't be under an illusion. Look at the Phillips translation. Another translation says, don't be deceived. See, you cannot make a fool of God. In other words, you reap what you sow. That's number one. You reap what you sow. Uh, don't be under an illusion. God uh, cannot be mocked. God is not a fool. So if I, plant, if I plant cotton seeds, what do I expect to harvest? That's right. Yeah, I hope so. Like, would it be messed up if I planted an avocado seed and I expected to get oranges? Or what if I planted soybeans, but I expected to get bananas? It doesn't work that way. Don't be deceived. If you want to have a spiritual harvest, which Paul describes that in Galatians 5, as the fruit of the Spirit, peace, joy, love, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. If those are the things that we want to come out of our life, 
then, then we have to sow the seeds accordingly. If I will put spirit seeds in my life, then I will reap spiritual results. But if I sow the flesh, how can I expect to get the spirit? They're not the same. So he says, don't be deceived. Uh, if we think I can drink all the time and it won't affect my health, don't be deceived. Or, or if we say, I, you know, I can yell and scream at my wife, but we'll be married forever. Don't be deceived. I can be the laziest person on the job, but I expect a promotion. Don't be deceived. I can spend minimal time with my kids and they'll grow up and be emotionally healthy. I could never pray about things, but I expect to have God's blessings. I mean, we reap what we sow. Don't, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Uh, let me say a word to the single people today. I, I did a lot of singles ministry before I was a pastor. I worked with young adults, young singles, and sometimes I would talk to guys, and they would say, you know, Pastor, um, when I get older, I'm going to settle down. Right now, I'm going to sow my wild oats. I'm going to run around. I'm going to do a little of this and do a little of that. But one day, I'm going to marry this really nice, upstanding, ethical, moral Christian woman. Maybe like when I'm 80, you know? And, and, and I said on a few occasions, how in the world... Would a woman like that want to be with you? you you're, you're deceived. You're deceived. If you think you're going to sow this seed and you're going to get that result, you've lost your mind. It just doesn't work that way. And sometimes we see the blessings of God on people's life and we can be a little jealous, you know, like, man, God's blessing them. I wish God would bless me. Listen, people who are blessed of God many times have been sowing spirit seed for a long time. I mean, a long time. Because sometimes it takes a little while for those seeds to, to, to emerge. And so every choice has a consequence in our life. Sometimes I talk to, to parents that are empty nesters and they say, we don't understand why our kids don't want to go to church. Why are our kids not raising their kids in the faith, you know? And on a few occasions, I've talked to people that they never really brought their kids to church in the first place. I mean, like, listen, let me be honest with you. If you bring your kids to church on Christmas and Easter and you expect that they're going to have a biblical Christian worldview, you've lost your mind. It doesn't work that way. You, you, you got to sow seed. And that seed has to be sown all the time. We can't expect to have spirit results with fleshly seeds. And a lot of families are raising Bach, Mozart, Kobe Bryant, and Albert Einstein's, but the things of God are left out. That's another matter. If you're kind to other people, guess what? People, generally speaking, will be kind back to you. If you're like, I don't have any friends. I wish I had more friends at church. Let me give you a secret. Come early and stay late and get involved. Amen? Like, if you come late and leave early, you aren't going to know anybody. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. 
Uh, it's true of being generous. You know, um, the Bible talks about sowing seed and giving. When we give, we sow seed. We're having a special offering right now. I hope that you'll participate with us. We want to help uh, our benevolence fund. We want to be able to help people. We want to be able to give to missions. We want to be able to do some things here around the church. There's a packet underneath your chair. Guess what? That's an opportunity to sow seed. And when we sow seed, what happens? We reap a harvest. It's awesome. It's exciting. Uh, if you're a harsh and judgmental person, guess what? People will treat you the same way. If you don't like what you're reaping, look at what you are sowing. Okay? Quit blaming everybody else for your stuff and ask, God, what could I do to sow better seed in the coming year? Willard Harley is a, a, a relationships expert. He's a, he's a counselor. He's a Christian he wrote a book called His Needs, Her Needs a long time ago. Some of you may have read that. He has this concept called the love bank. It's really awesome. The love bank's awesome. He says, listen, when you, when you say kind things to your spouse, when you do loving things, you put a deposit into that account. But when you say something that's harsh or you do something that offends or hurts your husband or wife, you, you make a withdrawal. From that account. And he says the problem with a lot of marriages is that many marriages are in the red. We're trying to make withdrawals when we haven't made enough deposits. And sometimes you got to make like five to ten deposits before you can make a withdrawal. The love bank. That's the law of sowing and reaping. I'm sowing and I want to reap. I want to reap. So we reap what we sow, but we also reap later and sooner than what we sow. I found in my own life that when I sow to the flesh, the harvest comes quicker. And when I sow to the spirit, a lot of times the harvest comes slower. <laughs> a few years ago, Gina and I bought a house that was one day away from foreclosure. The backyard, the grass was like this high. We had all the... All of the exotic animals of the city of Aurora were living in my backyard, okay? It was amazing. It was a scary place, and we had a big backyard, too. It was a scary place to be. And I'm a yard guy. Like, I like my yard to look good. I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I love a good yard. And it took me two summers to get that yard to look right because the dandelions and the weeds had taken over. And isn't it amazing that you can do nothing in your yard and the dandelions can grow? I mean, the dandelions, they look like they're on steroids. It hasn't even rained. And the dandelions look big and robust and the grass is dying. I think when it comes to the, the concept of sowing and reaping, when we sow to the flesh, it's a lot like growing dandelions. And when we sow to the spirit, it's a lot like going, growing grass. Because grass takes more time, doesn't it? It takes more attention. Like when you put some grass seed in the ground, you got to water it every single day for several weeks for the seeds to germinate. you, you got to put down some fresh soil. you you got to treat that yard. you gotta, you got to finesse it. you know you got to be careful. However, 
If you want to grow dandelions, you can do that all day long and you don't have to do a darn thing. Dandelions will go crazy. So, so, so when we sow to the spirit, sometimes that harvest comes later. It's kind of like when you put a little money in your 401k every month, you do so, you're sowing a little seed because you want to reap a harvest when you retire. It takes a little while. I was talking with a guy that lives in another city that uh, was involved in a racket at his business. Every time a sale happened, a certain, a certain amount of money went into like this private account and he and the other guys that worked there would divvy the money up. This went on like 10 years. He got caught. He got caught. He was totally embarrassed. His wife didn't know he was doing it. Nobody knew about it except him and these, these friends. And to make a long story short, he had to give the money back or he had to go to jail. And thank goodness he did give the money back. But he had to leave town. He had to find a new career, a new job. It was a huge mess. He never thought that sowing that seed would reap a harvest. Why is it that we think we can do things like that and there will be no consequence. You know, like nobody will know. When I conduct myself in a certain way, when I do certain things, there will, oh, there will never be a harvest. And when we sin, those seeds tend to come back sooner than expected. When we sow to the Spirit, though, it takes a while. Like, listen, you can't read your Bible for two weeks and expect that you're going to have a massive spiritual harvest on day 15. I mean, it just, it, sometimes it takes a while, doesn't it? It takes a while. It takes a while. They say that a pecan tree takes 10 years to have a normal harvest. It'll start to produce, you know, a few, a few pecans, at year five, but it's year 10, it produces 50 pounds of, of pecans. At year 15, it produces 100 pounds of pecans. So it takes 15 years for a pecan tree to reach its full potential. But check it out. A pecan tree can last over 100 years. Sometimes, sometimes longer than that. So you add it up. You don't have to be a mathematician. If you do 100 pounds of pecans for, for 85 years, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of harvest, isn't it? It takes a little while to get everything moving, but once it starts to produce, boom. Oh my goodness. Spectacular, it's fantastic. So the harvest takes a little while. We, we're looking for magic bean syndrome. Y'all remember Jack and the Beanstalk? Remember Jack went and traded his cow? His mom told him, go get some food, and he traded the cow for five beans. And he came back, and his mom was so irritated with him that he, wrote, that he wasted the cow. She took the beans and threw them out the window. And what happened the next morning? Those magic beans had grown so much 
that Jack was able to climb all the way to the sky. Listen, when it comes to spiritual harvest, it's not magic bean syndrome. It takes a little while. But once we get there, oh, it's magnificent. Build your life on Jesus. Build your life on the rock. Build your life on the word of God. And you're going to see a great spiritual harvest. Be patient. Notice he says there in Galatians 6, 9, he says, For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. When is the proper time? It's when God says it is. It's not before and it's not after. It's when God says, at the proper time. I can guarantee you that the harvest is coming. It's going to come a little slower than you thought. But when it comes, it is awesome. It's amazing. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Now, look at that last phrase there, if we don't give up. See, too many people are sowing spiritual seed, but then they get frustrated in the journey and they quit. And God's saying, you are on the verge of a harvest. And you like, you got rid of it, man. Come on, don't do that. You've been faithful to God for 10 years and maybe some things aren't going the way that you wanted them to go and you're disappointed and you're hurt. Don't, don't, get, don't abandon your faith. Don't quit going to church. I'm amazed at how when people get discouraged, they, they withdraw from the very community that God has put in their life to encourage them. Listen, church is a place you come when you're broken. Church is a place you come when you're discouraged. Church is a place you come when you're encouraged. Don't, don't think I, I got to have all these circumstances in perfect, perfectly aligned in my life, then I go to church. No. Listen, one of our mottos here at Edge Church, no perfect people allowed. You come as you are. And God's going to reap a harvest in your life. Abimelech found that this, this harvest of destruction came a lot sooner than expected. But I also want you to see a third thing. We reap more than what we sow. Now I talked about the pecan tree a minute ago. And it takes a while to get the pecan tree going. But once it starts rocking, baby, pecans are going everywhere. I grew up with a big pecan tree in my backyard. And I'm going to tell you, it almost took over the neighborhood. It was crazy. Pecans in the gutters, pecans in the yard, pecans in the street, pecans all over the place. It may take a while, but you will reap more than what you sow. Think about that. One seed, one seed could produce a tree that could produce tens of thousands of other seeds. That is amazing. And I found in my own life that I overestimate what I can do in the short term, but I underestimate what I could accomplish in the long term. It's true. Galatians 6, 9 says, look at this. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. And that's a big if right there. If you don't give up. Don't give up on God. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. Don't 
Don't stop. Don't stop anticipating what God's going to do. Now, listen, our church, our church started with a handful of people. We had five people the very first Sunday in my living room. And it was small. It was very small. We went into the parks a few years ago. and We met a lot of people. And we told people about our church. When we started meeting at the school, we had 175 people that came to the first Sunday. And then we started averaging about 100 people a week after that. But that grew. That grew. It took a while. Everybody didn't come at one time. But it started to mature. And some of you guys are here today. Somebody brought you to church and somebody brought them and somebody brought them and somebody brought them and somebody brought them. And, you know, some people have moved and some people have, have, have done other things and that's okay. But, but the harvest is, is plentiful if, if we don't give up. It, it just may take a little while. So don't, don't be discouraged. Just be patient. Just know this. Know this, that the harvest is coming. Um, I was with Gina's family a few weeks ago, and her dad is the foremost scholar in the world on her family. And so Gina's maiden name is the Key family. He's a genealogist. He's written, I don't even know, maybe like 15 books on her family. And he's traced their family back over a thousand years. He's got all the genealogical records. It's unbelievable. And he gave each one of the grandkids a special gift at Christmas related to the family. To my oldest boy, he gave a set of sermons from his third great-granddad who was a preacher and a church starter. And this man of God, who is my son's third great-granddad, was a church starter. And he started church. He started over 30 churches he was from Kentucky. He moved to Texas. And all over North Texas, he started all kinds of churches and pastored all kinds of churches. And, and Zane has a set of books from his, from his theological library that were his in the 1800s. Is that awesome or what? Isn't that amazing? And I was thinking about that this week because I thought, what, what a... What a deposit, man. Like, what a seed to be sown into the life of your family. You know, my, my wife, um, her parents, my kids are benefiting from the seeds that were sown through this family generations before. I mean, I believe, you know, Gina and I have started two churches. In some ways... We're kind of standing on the shoulders of one of her great-granddads. Is that amazing to think about? Guys, you can reap more than what you sow. Let God take the seed and let him do something that is really, really amazing. And when it comes to sowing and reaping, man, we need Jesus. We need Jesus because we reap what we sow. We reap sooner and later than what we sow and we will always reap more than what we sow. Would you pray with me for just a minute? Let's pray together. Lord, let's just bow our hearts and our heads. And if you'd like to, if you'd say, Pastor, pray for me this morning. 
that I could not get discouraged or grow weary. But I could stick with the stuff. I could keep sowing that seed. Would you raise your hand today? I want to pray for some people that feel tired and weary. Maybe you're like, man, I've been doing good for a long time and I'm, I'm not seeing the harvest that I want to see. Would you just raise your hand? Yeah, thank you all over this place. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you in the back. I see you. God, you see these hands raised, these hearts surrendered to you. Lord, would you, would you take this word today and would you transform our hearts? Would you remind us that there's more, there's more harvest that is coming if we will not grow weary and if we will not give up today. Lord, inspire us, remind us, and teach us to continue to sow that seed so we can reap a great, 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 great harvest. And while our heads are bowed for a moment longer, others of us today, maybe you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, but today God has spoken to you The seed of the gospel has taken root in your heart. And today you want Christ to come into your life. I can't think of a better decision to start 2022 with other than having Jesus Christ living in your life. And I want to give you an opportunity to ask Christ to come in. And I want to lead you in a word of prayer. If you'd say, man, today I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart to forgive my sins and make me a new person today. Would you raise your hand where you are? And I want to lead you in a prayer. Just hold it up high. Yeah, thank you in the back. I see you over there on the front row. Thank you. See you over here. Yeah, and if you just raise your hand, pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins and make me a brand new person as I'm putting my faith in Christ and what he did at the cross and resurrection. And now, Lord, thank you for saving me and making me new. We pray this in your holy name.